Wickham, and that road was a very minor road, a very minor road indeed. The next indication that all was not well, John Smith thought, were the doors and the windows, shut on a very warm morning. Finally it was the occupant, alone, still, utterly lifelessly still. So it was no surprise for John Smith that, upon nearing the vehicle, he saw a hose-pipe leading from the exhaust to the interior of the car, via a narrow crack in one of the windows, the only window that was not tightly shut. He stood close to the car. The engine was no longer running, but the bonnet was still warm to the touch, more so than if the morning sun alone had heated it. The vehicle, John Smith deduced, had only recently run out of fuel but had done so long enough ago to allow the carbon monoxide to seep out into the inside of the car through the small holes in its floor and dissipate into the atmosphere. A time, he felt, that would have been measured in minutes. Not seconds, not hours, but minutes. The first suicide that Smith had come across was a double suicide. An elderly couple who had gone to sleep holding hands. At the inquest... It had emerged that the man had been charged with shoplifting not long before his death. He was a retired senior professional. The offence was his first, and the prospect of appearing before the magistrates was more than he could bear. And so, in his declining years, he chose to take his life, leaving a note saying that his action was akin to catching the early bus. His wife who had many years earlier, when a young woman made vows she was determined to continue to keep, had loyally remained with her husband, and they entered the hereafter together, having and holding. Fifteen years later, Smith had come across another car, which was parked in a remote place, with a pipe running from the exhaust to the vehicles inside. That, the second suicide, he came to consider the most distressing of the three, but in that car, in the rear seat, were two infants, buckled in safety seats, with a woman lying on her side across the front seats. At the inquest, evidence showed that the woman, the mother, was being treated for depression, and her GP, fearing that she would become addicted, had prescribed only modest medication. The woman's husband, the children's father, had repeatedly warned the authorities that his wife was going to do something silly, but he was not taken seriously. Like all victims, she was not seen nor heard at her inquest, and so no one, save possibly her husband, knew how ill she had been until she had done what she had done. And now, fifteen years later, John Smith chanced upon his third incident of suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. The victim this time was male, youthful, he thought, but then Smith was sixty-seven years of age, and so anyone younger than forty was young in his eyes. He opened the car door. He was surprised that he could do that, because in the other two suicide incidents the car doors had been locked from the inside. He reached in and felt for the man's pulse. There wasn't one. Nothing that he could detect. His years in the RAMC told him that this young man was beyond rescuing, and that this young man had gone 
where he intended to go, and that by all appearances had been ruthlessly single-minded in achieving what he wanted. John Smith noted with some alarm that the man had chained his feet to the pedals of the car and had similarly chained his wrists to the passenger seat head restraint. Hence, he surmised, the unlocked door. It would be simple enough to do. First, chain your feet to the pedals, turn the ignition on and start the car, then quickly chain your wrists to where you can't reach the ignition and snap the last padlock shut. Can't change your mind at the last minute, not once the last padlock goes click. No need to lock the car door as a barrier to your own escape. Remote place, little chance of anybody finding you before the end. No escape route, not with a padlock and chain. One-way ticket. Making sure. Making sure.